Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In order for us to better understand the transfiguration of our Lord, it helps for us to know the context in which this takes place. Before this, our Lord took his disciples to the majority pagan region of Caesarea Philippi in order to teach them privately without the constant following of the crowds when they were in the Jewish regions of Galilee and Judah. It is during this private trip to Caesarea Philippi where St. Peter, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, confesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. It is also where our Lord rebukes Peter later on for trying to keep him from suffering after he teaches his disciples that he must suffer and die for the sins of the people. It is a hard thing for the disciples to grasp that their Lord and Master, who is the Son of the living God, is telling them that he will suffer and die. But he does not stop there, but adds, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So not only is Jesus saying that he himself would suffer and die, but the disciples also must deny themselves and take up their cross and accept suffering. This is a lot for them to process. It is a lot to take in. It goes against any thoughts that they would have had that Christ would be a king coming in glory to rescue Israel, to kick out the Romans and set up an earthly kingdom. It is at the point, at this point, where Jesus took Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up onto a high mountain by themselves. This was not terribly unusual. Our Lord would often go to secluded places by himself in order to pray. Sometimes he would even take with him some of his disciples, especially those three who were the leaders amongst the disciples. But this was a much different time than any other time when our Lord went to pray by himself, for he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking to him. Never before had the disciples seen anything like this. Never before, in fact, has anyone ever seen anything like this. Even in the days of Moses, which we heard in our prophecy this morning, when he came down from Mount Sinai and the skin of his face shone while he talked with God, this is something quite different than what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. For Moses' face shone because he spoke with God and he was in his presence. Moses' skin reflected the glory of God. Moses didn't change so that he was shining, but rather he was reflecting the light of God like the moon reflects the light of the sun. The shining of Christ is different. In the transfiguration, he is changed, he is transformed, for that's what transfiguration means, that he was changed, 
that he was transformed. In what way did he change? Well, his face was shining like the sun, not with borrowed or reflected light, but it was his own light. Likewise, his clothes, because he was wearing them and they touched his glory, became white as the light. The Lord Jesus shone because he is God made man, because he has the full divine nature and a fully human nature in his person. The Son of God has taken on a human nature, and here he shows his glory to his disciples. He shows them that he is truly a man, as they have known him, but that he is also truly God, for he shines with the glory of God. This is likewise confirmed by the voice from heaven, the voice of God the Father, which came with the bright cloud which descended upon the mountain, like the cloud in the days of Moses which covered Mount Sinai, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Here the Father confirms to the disciples the divinity of Jesus, that he is the Son of the living God. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Yes, here also we see something amazing. For these two prophets of God have something in common, which even here testifies to the Lord's divinity. For both Moses and Elijah in their own days climbed Mount Sinai. Both of them had the glory of the Lord pass them by. Moses, while on Mount Sinai, asked God if he could see his glory. And God told him, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. But here is a place by me, and you shall stand in the rock. And so it shall be that while my glory passes you by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Elijah, while he was running away from Jezebel, went to Mount Sinai, also called Mount Horeb, and while hidden in the cave that was on the mountain, the Lord said, Go out, stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. Likewise, both of these prophets spoke with God upon that mountain. Now, at the transfiguration, these two prophets, who alone of all the prophets had such experiences, spoke with God made flesh upon the mountain. In St. Luke's retelling of this event, we hear what they were speaking about. They spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Upon this mountain, Moses and Elijah speak with our Lord Jesus about what he is about to accomplish in Jerusalem. For he is going to Jerusalem in order to die. His sacrificial death to atone for the sins of the world. His death which would fulfill the scriptures. His death which would bring life and immortality to all who believe. His death which would bring about the new covenant. His death which all the prophets of the Old Testament looked forward to and pointed to. His death which would take place on the cross about which our Lord had previously told his disciples he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised on the third day. The disciples who heard, they knew what was being spoken of. We know this because Luke wrote it down. 
Also, we know this because the Lord tells them on the way down from the mountain, tell this vision to no one until, tell this vision to no one until, until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. So they heard he would die and that he would rise. So in the transfiguration, we see that Jesus plainly reveals his divinity to his disciples that he and Moses and Elijah speak of what our Lord is going to accomplish in Jerusalem. And this is where we see Peter, who days before was rebuked by the Lord for suggesting that he not go to Jerusalem to die, again tries to avoid suffering for his Lord and for himself. Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. So much had happened on this journey to Caesarea Philippi. Peter confessed that Jesus was the Christ, and Jesus told him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, her flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, who is in heaven. Then Jesus teaches that he must die in Jerusalem, and Peter says, Far be it from you, Lord. And Jesus then replies to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Then our Lord tells his followers that they must pick up their cross and follow him. And now, after seeing this wonderful confirmation of their faith that Jesus is divine, yet again they're hearing that he must die. And they hear it not only from Jesus, which is bad enough, but they hear it from Moses and from Elijah. This is hard. This is painful. It is much better for us to be here, the disciples think, to gaze upon the glory of the Lord, to hear him speak with the saints of old. Yes, Peter, it is good, but it also tries to avoid suffering. This time, however, Jesus does not rebuke Peter. Instead, the Father speaks. While Peter was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. The Father silences Peter when he speaks so that he and the disciples would know that Jesus is the Son of God, and they must hear him. Hear him when he speaks about his coming death, which is for their sake. Hear him when he speaks about his resurrection, which will follow that death. This vision was not given to them so that they could enjoy it, bask in it, and put off suffering and even death. No, this vision was given to them to confirm them in their faith and to comfort them so that they might be prepared for what is coming. In this vision of the transfiguration, they learn that what is coming is God's will. It is God's will that Jesus go to Jerusalem, that he be handed over to the chief priests and be put to death. It is God's will because this is what has been prophesied even before the days of Moses. It has been prophesied since the fall into sin that this is how God will do away with sin and death, 
by the death of his beloved Son, Jesus Christ. They should not be surprised by what is coming, but take comfort in it, because all the prophets, what had they had proclaimed, is now coming to pass. They should take comfort that he goes to his death willingly for their sake. So too, they should hear what he says, what will, that he will rise on the third day. Hear him, not just see that he says, I'm going to die and tune out because they're afraid, but hear when he says, I'm going to die for you, and on the third day I will rise again. This is a comfort to them, a promise to them, so that they may not lose heart when these things take place. So also they would see the promise of their own future resurrection on the last day. They see and recognize Moses and Elijah. They see how God is taking care of them and is keeping them until the last day. So too, he will keep them for the day of the resurrection, when they shall receive all that Jesus has accomplished for them. And although we ourselves are almost 2,000 years removed from this event, there is much comfort for us to be had as well. Despite what many prosperity preachers loudly proclaim, the life of a Christian is not necessarily one of wealth, health, happiness, and influence. Rather, the Christian life is one marked by the cross, by suffering. Our Lord said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And later, a servant is not greater than his Lord, nor the disciple than his master. The Christian life is marked by suffering because our Lord's life was as well. As the devil tempted Christ, so he and his evil angels assault and tempt the Christian. As the Lord was crucified, so also the world continues to crucify the members of Christ's body. It is a life of trials, of mortifying the flesh, and of bearing the cross. From an outsider's perspective, it is a life most pitiable. Yet we have great comfort in the midst of this life, and we see this in the transfiguration. For our Lord Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, of whom God said, This is my beloved Son, suffered for us. He who shone like the sun and was and has command of all power and authority, humbled himself that he might die for our sake. And moreover, when he died, he did not remain dead as all others do, because death is the wages of sin. But he did not remain dead because he did not sin. He did not remain dead because he bore our sins on the cross. Yes, God raised his son on the third day, so that we might know that his sacrifice was acceptable to God. He raised him so that we might have the comfort of knowing that he will likewise raise us on the last day, saying to all who have believed in him and suffered here, Arise, and do not be afraid. We also take comfort in this, that God has kept Moses and Elijah safe and secure in body and soul. So too, all who trust in Christ will be kept safe and secure until the day of resurrection. Their souls enjoying the glory and the presence of Jesus Christ who sits at the right hand of the Father in glory, and our bodies kept safe in our resting places of the grave. This is what we have to look forward to. 
This is the comfort that we have in the midst of trials. That Thus, let us trust in Christ all the more, committing to him all our burdens. Let us seek this comfort of Christ for, though, for us in places where he promises to be, in word and in sacrament. In the sacrament of the altar, he comes to us with his holy body and precious blood. We, like Peter, say, Lord, it is good to be here. And surely, brothers and sisters, it is good to be in his special presence in this way. But this food is given not so that we may bask in his presence, not so that we may simply worship and adore him, but so that eating and drinking according to his command and trusting in his promise, we might receive the forgiveness of our sins and the strengthening of our faith, so that we might leave the mount with this divine pardon and peace and go forth into the world, just as he went forth from the mount towards Jerusalem to die. He also comes to us in his word, in the holy scriptures, and then we hear him as the Father commanded. We hear his word of command and rebuke, which shows our sinfulness and brings us to true sorrow over our sin and to repentance. But in that same word, we hear the promise and comfort which speaks of sins forgiven for Jesus' sake, and being assured of his love and grace, being comforted by his word of forgiveness, we are encouraged to walk according to his word in the service of our neighbor as Christ has served us. May God grant that we remain steadfast in this faith in the midst of all trials and suffering, and even in the midst of death, until he calls us to himself through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless and preserve you always. Amen.